Hi, I'm Chantelle. And I'm Matthew. And we're founders of Fifth Place, where our mission is to make the world a better place by enabling the how. Welcome, Welcome to, to our Emotions Matter, Matter Really podcast. podcast. In this podcast, we explore everything about emotions, feelings, and what it is to become and remain emotionally fit. We interrogate the taboo around expressing and talking about emotions and feelings. We talk about all those things we want less of, like stress, anxiety, and burnout, and the things we want more of, like sleep, calm, and self-care. We explore tools, tips and techniques for managing your emotions. We examine what it means to be emotionally fit and why this equals a better quality of life. Hello, hello. So, it's my turn this week to have the huskier voice. Chantelle likes to say, is that even possible? <laughs> well, you can be the judge of that. So welcome to this week's episode of Emotions Matter Really, with me, Matthew. Mm, and me, Chantelle. And you know, I'm so, so sorry that I passed the baton on to you. But you know, an upgrade is good. And if we only do this one once in every four years, well, I think we can cope with it. What do yep. you say? Well, four years, yes. I was reflecting. Uh, last time I felt anything vaguely like this was actually six years ago. Mm. So... I have to feel like this every six years then I'll take it there you go and what's also um, really nice is that we're going into a warmer a warmer weather situation as you can see by clothes maybe not Miss Matthew so much but certainly me I'm not covered in oh well you can't see it if you listening to this but <laughs> if you're watching it then um we're wearing fewer clothes which is really nice to have warmer weather out there looking mm. forward to that on an ongoing basis yes well we're in the southern hemisphere in case you weren't aware and we are wending our way towards spring mm. so today is national women's day here in south africa so our podcast episode focuses on women and emotional fitness. Mm. I think it's a very pertinent time to do this, bearing in mind things that have happened around the world and something very recently here. Things like Wade versus Roe, ever-present gender-based violence issues, and unfortunately, last week, there was mm. a horrific attack on a group of women in a town called Krugersdorp, which is just to the west of where we are here in Johannesburg. Mm. Yes, and ironically, it happened a week from August, which is National Women's Month in this country. And obviously, we have National Women's Day. And, you know, despite all the drives for equality, gender-based violence continues to increase, rape continues to increase, discrimination in different areas continues to increase, it really is um, something that policies, that days, that international months is certainly not going to change, but an opportunity to highlight it. I agree. I think if we sort of frame the podcast, we're just going to talk through a few areas and aspects that 
impact and potentially can change perspectives around women and emotional fitness, mm. specifically women and how women are viewed and looked at through many different lenses of society. And that first one, policy. Mm. And I don't believe that any amount of policy will actually make much difference to we really need laws telling us how we need to treat one another. I'm reminded of that quote by a Greek philosopher. His name was Demonax. And he said, probably all laws are useless because good men don't need them and bad men are made no better by them. And I really view policies in the same sort of way. Mm. you know, And it certainly doesn't attend to the emotionally driven behaviors that result in this kind of thing happening. Mm. Yes, and you know, if I think of what it has, how it has got to this position, how we've got here as human beings, as men and women, I certainly think in this country, culture has had a lot to do with how the narrative around women's status, women's roles, um, how they are viewed, beliefs around them have all been um, constructed. And uh, not going into, you know, the, the culture and how, you know, every different culture and what have you, but certainly I do believe that our culture, um, the different cultures, and we have many, very many diverse cultures in this country, but the diverse cultures certainly have played a part. Well, I wouldn't focus only on this country. Show me one culture. Mm. in the world mm. that puts women not even we're not even talking above men that put women as equal to men sure i don't believe such a culture exists and if it does exist then i'd love to find out about it because i may want to move there because <laughs> i think women actually have had the short end of the stick for far too long and i'm surprised that all the women on the planet haven't got together and said hey we had enough Mm. And we want to change it and do something about it. Yes, I think more and more women are doing that. But again, so much restrains and constrains women. We spoke about culture, you know, religion. I mean, you have a lovely story and perspective around religion and how it has planted men <laughs> so obtusely at the forefront. Well, yes, indeed. And just a reminder that we're talking at quite a high level and we will be making generalizations in the spirit of talking around this particular topic. And if anything we say does hook or trigger you, well, we apologize in advance and encourage you to remember that one of our perspectives here on building emotional fitness is that my feelings and my emotions are mine and my responsibility to attend to. Mm. And so that means if you wish to send us any hate mail or yes buts, please, well, file 13 is where they'll end up. <laughs> anyway, coming back to what you were saying, yes, yes. from a Christian perspective, uh, I believe that, well, we could talk many religions because I don't believe women have an equal role in many of the major religions, but specifically I can talk to Christianity having been brought up as a Christian and this whole idea that man gave birth to women. It's ludicrous, bastardizes the notion or the idea of the creative birth mm. process. And quite frankly, it's laughable. Mm. And yet that is exactly what the Bible tells us. Yes, and it's something that I think it's like, it's a real unconscious bias 
you know, those of us that have been brought up in a Christian culture, Christian faith, you don't even, you don't even question it. Mm. You know, it's just there. And it says so much. I mean, the very first story about how human beings were made puts man in front. Or on top. Or exactly. And women below. And you know what, as clever as we are with our technology, can't see men giving birth anytime soon. And yet here we are with this very deeply held unconscious Genesis story. Mm, exactly. And coming back to this country, I mean, this country has been steeped in a history of discrimination, a history of bias. And although it was largely national or race based, it does form the foundation for being generally biased and discriminatory and very, very conservative enormously conservative and again with a conservative view women are second if they're lucky yes indeed and again show me where they're not Mm. this whole idea and it's not to talk into the vogueness of wokeness which i'm not sure about where our particular language for this episode may fit necessarily but going back and looking at the role that women play and have played and are expected to play in our societies and in our cultures historically it's it's one where again they are typically you know women women are second mm. Mm. and you were saying something earlier if we look at society and we look at how women have been portrayed but certainly modern society and you were saying something earlier about the cinema which I found really interesting. Well, coming at it from our perspective, which is a Western perspective, Mm -hmm. I think that you only have to look at cinema to get an idea of of what the role women are expected to play. And I think that cinema is a really good reflection, a mirror, if you like, of what's happening in the world at large. Uh, Certainly, as I said, the world that is covered by cinema Mm. and you look back across time women are the ones that get kidnapped women are the ones that get beaten up and get raped Uh, it's okay to have women naked in movies but heaven forbid men can't be naked you know dare i use the word penis you know when last did you see a penis in a movie Mm. and really who are the heroes in movies yes Uh, True. Men. Typically. And not so long ago when a Marvel movie called Captain Marvel came out with the lead protagonist being a woman, the amount of flack that she took for the way she smiled or didn't Didn't smile smile appropriately. (laughs) And it just speaks to the huge bias that exists, unconsciously or otherwise, towards women. Mm. in a not so good way yes and and you know moving on from that to the media and um, advertising and how the fashion and uh, beauty industry has certainly done a huge disservice to you know the, the normal woman 
by portraying women as in a particular way. You know, you've always got to look perfect, have perfect skin, perfect teeth, perfect hair, perfect body, depending on what that body is supposed to be perfectly looking like at the time in that, that, that um, time and space. Uh, and then, you know, driving, uh, certainly not even just young, young women, but all women to feel so dissatisfied with how they look and how they show up and even in the face of being shown how, you know, the layers of makeup, once they come off and all the clothes come off and the lighting has changed, that actually that's not the real person at all. How it really drives a huge dissatisfaction with ourselves and our lives and how we look um, because of what is, what is blasted at us all day. And so the advertising, beauty and fashion industry have a, large role to play in um, the way we think and feel about ourselves and we really do need to be quite um, astute and quite aware uh, to negate those ongoing relentless messages. Yes, relentless messages that put women secondary, mm. which I don't believe is the right place at all. I think there's that concept that you love to talk about both and and uh, it can be extended into the notion of equal first. We're not talking yes. about women being better than men, mm. but let's have a go at making women equal. And we're not talking, or I'm certainly not talking about having women act as men. No. We're talking about women embodying what it means to be a woman. Yes. And that's the problem. That's also been the mistake that many women have made, certainly in the business environment. In the business environment, many women went the opposite extreme. They started dressing like men, acting like men, feeling like they needed to be like men in order, in order to be seen and heard. And in fact, that's not what is required or needed at all. We, we bring a difference and diversity to the workplace, to any place that just adds texture um, and nuance to an environment and adds, um, you know, it adds to the space, to the, to the offering. Um, and we mustn't forget that. We do not need to be um, like men. And I think the whole, uh, you know, that, that whole faulty theory around the triune brain has also added to that belief that it's better to be rational. And, you know, men are more rational, so of course they must be better then. And women are more emotional, and, you know, the emotional brain is supposed to sit underneath the rational brain. And therefore women obviously must be sort of lesser than because they're more emotional. And we know that that theory around the triune brain is absolutely false. It is not true at all. And yet it, it, it colors so many of the beliefs, so many of the systems, so many of the outlooks of um, how it is to be a man and a woman in society these days and what's good and what's not good. Sure, again, there's another sort of unchallenged, generally unchallenged bias around the role of uh, women versus men. And a, an example came to mind if you had a woman, uh, had to imagine a woman expressing the way she feels and Imagine a man expressing the way he feels. You might refer to the woman as saying she's being very emotional. Mm. Can you consider using that same language to describe a man's emotional outburst behavior? Mm. You might use words like angry or 
irritated or some more profane oriented words. Mm. But certainly the labeling of a man as emotional doesn't mm. readily come to mind. Mm. Yes, yes, our language does certainly also color and define the way that we think and feel and believe. Um, and, and if you, here's another one that just came to mind. And again, it's another one of these sort of biases that we use pretty much unconsciously as well. If we are extending this metaphor that says thinking is better than feeling, rationality is better than emotionality, then just split up the word thinking and mm. what's built into the word? Yes. King. King. It's not think queen. <laughs> so what do we do? We emas... We yes. We have made masculine the process of thinking and therefore put it above everything else. Mm -hmm. And so what does that do to the realm of feeling and by association, women? Yes. And we're all about becoming emotionally fit. And emotionally fit is about learning how to feel more. Um, and yes, as feeling beings and being more emotional, it probably will be in our best interest to be better at it as women. Absolutely. Get better at feeling. Mm. Become more emotionally fit. And let's have a look at what that potentially looks like. Well, there's three tenets really around getting emotionally fit or becoming emotionally fit and, you know, or choosing whichever way you like to look at it because it won't happen by itself and the first one is to acknowledge that it starts with me and in that there's kind of like an acceptance of accepting that no one else can do this for me mm. but me mm. and I'm going to use the metaphor because it's fairly appropriate but tongue-in-cheek of studying a course getting a qualification doing a degree you get the idea you know if I want to get emotionally fit, I actually have to put the work in. I can't sign up for a course and then get someone else to study and take the test and then think I'm going to get the mm. qualification. Yes. No matter what that program suits told us. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> exactly. And then I must want to put the effort in. Mm-hmm. So it is a process, it does require effort, it requires consistent effort, it doesn't necessarily mean hard work mm. type of effort, but like anything, it is about the consistency. So that's the other thing that we need to do. And then here's the challenge, and I say challenge because this is about emotional fitness and women in particular, and it comes back, or it comes down to rather, I have to come back to my body. Mm. Yep. And I know that there are some really salient things that we can talk to around women and bodies. And their bodies. Indeed, I think so much about what we have been taught and uh, socialized around is that, you know, um, first of all, our bodies are just there to carry our heads. And from a woman's perspective, your body defines how valuable you are, how, how beautiful you are, how accepted you are. 
And as I was saying before, around the around the um, advertising and the health, the the beauty and and fashion world, how they have made so many women feel they're lesser than and not good enough. Um, and so the first thing around being able to accept who you are, and accept your body, um, is quite a big jump, because mm, there are so many of us that just like no, we're too big, we're too small, we're too tall, we're too short. You know, our thighs are too thin, they're too fat. Well, then what happens if you, as I alluded to earlier, you know, you happen to engage in that amazing process of giving birth, that's going to have an impact on the way your body looks mm. post-birth. Mm. And again, can you accept it? Can you accept the way that you look? Mm. Uh, for one, also, not that I've given birth, but have stretch marks and body blemishes and carry literal scars from the bad way that I've treated my body. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's useful just to share a realization that I had uh, some months back around a partnership with my body and recognizing that I was the steward or captain of my body, perhaps. So metaphorically speaking, I imagined that my body was a ship on the ocean and if I wanted this particular ship to carry me to places, exotic or otherwise, I would need to make sure that it was in shipshape condition. Mm -hmm. So that meant attending to it regularly. If it sprung a leak, fixed it. If it needed to have the timbers varnished, varnish them. Make sure the sails don't have holes in. Mm -hmm. And so whatever that looks like to you, specifically for your body, then do it. Because I realized that I'd actually treated my body very badly. I had stabbed it, cut it, burnt it, smashed it. And at various points in my life, I was a smoker, so I dishonored the actual breathing process. And I mean, we were reminded last week about the importance of breath. You can go so long without food, so long without water. How long can you go without breath? Yeah. And yet I chose to willingly fill my lungs with all sorts of pollutants and toxic mm. chemicals. Mm. So... You know, my body really put up with a lot and yet here it is and so I found it very helpful to consider me and my body being in partnership I do certain things my body does certain things I support my body my body supports me mm. so I encourage and invite you listening person to try it mm. and we we did a show earlier around banning and one of the things that we do when we ban is we comfort eat um you know it's very easy to reach for the the sugary snack um and that certainly doesn't do anything for our health and then you know like hating what our bodies look like as women is just so destructive so very destructive when i was younger and i was in high school i you know, embarked on uh, something that ended up being an eating disorder, just started eating less and less and less. And um, uh, luckily, I was able to come out of it without, you know, having to go to hospital or anything like that. But it was really, really bad. And it was all around control. It was all around how I looked. Uh, and quite frankly, that is very, very destructive. Um, ever since then, I'd never embark on a diet. And I've been very it's been very important to me to eat well, but still there's dissatisfaction. You know, there's always a bit of dissatisfaction. I'm now, you know, well into my 50s 
and your body changes and it suddenly isn't what it was before and you don't you you it, it's almost like out of control and it's really really difficult to accept the aging and the changes and yet that's really something that i have to do it's something that i have to um i have to honor i have to honor this body because it actually has done so much good for me and it stood me in such good stead um, and so it, it is a journey to accepting the changes that come with aging and the softer skin and the, the, the more wrinkles and the, the rolls and that sort of thing. And so, yes, um, it's not easy. And yet it is something that is almost like the first thing, this acceptance, this acceptance where we are um, as, as women and as females. And so, uh... I'd like to invite you when this podcast finished, whenever you can, is just take a moment and just connect to your body without judgment, without expectation. Really just sink into your body with your consciousness, close your eyes, go inwards and just feel the presence that is there, that is your body. It's always there, waiting for you. So give it a try and see what the experience is like for you. Mm. Yes, and, and that also talks to and leads into this notion of, as a woman, learning to put ourselves in front and take care of ourselves rather than taking care of everybody else first. So the, the notion of self-care, which many, many people are talking about, but really being comfortable to um, do things for ourselves and look after ourselves instead of looking after everybody else first at and putting expense. us at the expense of ourselves. Yes, that's exactly it. At the expense of ourselves because actually if we don't do if we don't put ourselves in the front if we don't put ourselves as something and somebody that's important then nothing's going to change because as you said it starts with me i have to take responsibility which means i have to acknowledge that i'm important enough to take care of that i'm important enough to um to honor and to look after and and to not allow um myself to be uh, abused, taken advantage of. And you love to remind us all about getting into the cab. Um, and well, absolutely. And this is, there's two sort of parts to this. So we like acronyms here at Fifth Place. <laughs> and this particular acronym is CAB, getting into the cab, as it were, and it's contracting action and boundaries. Mm -hmm. And really, it talks into that saying that says, good fences make good neighbors. And healthy relationships are built around healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel like you can put boundaries in place or take this necessary steps to have the conversations around boundaries, then that's potentially an invitation to do some healing work. Some healing work on what it is that lives inside of you that's in the way of you being able to put you equal first. Mm. Yes, I like that, equal first. Yes. Because that's what it is, really. And if you don't, and I, I know this may sound ironic because I'm not a woman, it's vitally important 
at this particular juncture, in other words, this particular point in time, mm. for women to show up as women, to express whatever it means, to connect deep inside you, connect deep inside your body, find that intrinsic truth of what it feels like to be a woman. And then take the steps to express it. The world needs you mm. more than ever. The world needs women to be here now. Yes, powerful women. Women that are centered and sure and certain and powerful. And as women, we need to also be comfortable with supporting our fellow women because in my experience, we can be our worst, our own worst enemies. We don't support. We also will criticize. We will gossip about um, and be bitchy around people, around women that are powerful. And actually, they are really important in our in our lives, in our world. And I'll, as I told Matthew earlier, I had a client once who was very reticent about having to be managed by a woman. She was a woman. She's coming to me as a as a young leader. And she was a bit concerned that she was going to be managed by a woman. And I said to her, you know, um, why don't you want to be managed by a woman? Because she had been managed previously by a woman and it hadn't gone very well. And I said to her, well, have you been managed, ever been managed by a man and it hasn't gone well? And she said, yes. So I said, are all men bad managers as a result of that man who didn't manage you well? Of course, no. And I said, and what about you? You want to be a leader and a manager of others. So how does that feel if you have women that are, are part of your team feeling the way that you do about being managed by a woman? And that really gave her an opportunity to reflect because it was quite irrational and something that she needed to think of. And it made her realize her own unconscious bias about her own, um, her own femaleness and being managed by somebody who was like her. So thank you very much for that. And we've come to the end of our podcast. And as usual, we have a lovely poem. What can you tell us about it? Mm. This poem is um, written by a young lady by the name of Alison Mali. Uh, she's a feminist poet. And uh, it, it really spoke to me, this poem. And it's called All I Can Tell You. All right, well, I look forward to it. All I Can Tell You by Alison Malie. All I can tell you is that the women I know are not fiddling with their thumbs, are not teacup women, little fragile women. The women I know are loud like lightning crack boom, loud like thunder, loud like overcome, like indescribable adversity will not stop us, halt us, slow us, loud like snap, like applause, like do you know who we are? Loud like change, loud like it's time to work, loud like riot, like whisper, 
like women that softly, gently yank the closed door off the hinges and say, thank you, loud, like just wait until you meet us. Hey, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's stunning. Such a stellar expression of what's needed. <laughs> yes. And it's a beautiful way to round out this episode. So thank you very much for that. And thank you as always for the lovely script for the podcast. And I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed it, Chantel. And my voice held up for the most part. So thank you very much for listening through the froggy voice. <laughs> yes, let's hope we're back to, back to normal quite soon. And yes, it's uh, time to say farewell. And so to all those women out there, we salute you. And remember, be kind and be gentle to yourselves. And until we meet again, from me, Chantal, bye for now. And from me, Matthew, he is inviting you to show up to be the fullest expression that you can be of whatever it means to be a woman. The world needs you. And I enjoy witnessing the experience of what that looks like. So until then, until the next time, from me, Matthew, bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast and haven't already done so, then subscribe or follow us. And you can also find out more about what we do in the world of emotional fitness by visiting our website. It's fifth.place. Yes, very, very easy. The number five, th.place. Hmm, and if you would like to know a little bit more about building your emotional fitness, you can take one of our courses. And the links to those courses, including an emotional fitness class, are in the details below. And then lastly, if you found the podcast to be of value and would like to match this value, then we invite you to consider making a donation. This will enable us to provide more content, but perhaps more importantly, take our emotional fitness work into those communities and spaces that can't afford what it is that we offer. Thank you.